This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. We met on Craigslist Casual Encounters, of all things, which I miss very dearly. And I'm so sad it's not around anymore. You've done the swinging BDSM, the hot wifing, full swap, couples, and now you guys are sort of, you're ethically non-monogamous. I look at swinging as an umbrella term for a lot of different types of activities. For example, swinging could be two couple or a couple swapping with another couple. It could also be a couple playing with a solo person, whether it's a man or a woman or a non-binary person. Or it could be something like hot wifing, which is where the majority of our lifestyle experience has landed us. We talk about toxic monogamy a lot. That's a topic we've been on a lot lately. Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. It's a fun Saturday, you guys. I have one sexy lady with me today. Today I've got Brenna and she is one half of the Front Porch Swingers. She and her partner Brian host a podcast by the same name where they share their real life adventures in non-monogamy every week. They also host an upscale hot wife events in cities across the United States. Brenna, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that you're here. First of all, you know, you guys are doing what I do. It's just that I'm not doing the swinger lifestyle. I'm just doing the, I guess, unicorn lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah, nothing wrong with that. (laughs) I would love to be a unicorn. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get into all that because I want to I want to understand your dynamic. I feel like, you know, you got to qualify this stuff because just because, you know, swingers is a big umbrella, right? I mean, there's a lot underneath that. So let's dig into some of the details about what you're up to. But before we do that, I'm curious about just to know a little bit about your background and, you know, kind of what got you, how you and Brian met, you know, what got you into the swinging lifestyle? Sure. So Brian and I have been together for coming up on six years. We met on Craigslist Casual Encounters, of all things, which I miss very dearly. And I'm so sad it's not around anymore. (laughs) But yeah, we met there and we met under the guides, the assumption that we were going to be in a BDSM dynamic together. So it was already a very kind of alternative relationship, I guess you could call it. But I also think that that was great because we were already being so open and honest with each other about what we wanted from sex, what we wanted from a relationship. You know, you have to 
have so many different negotiations in a BDSM dynamic that it made it really easy for us to then transition into other types of alternative relationships like non-monogamy. So it was probably only about three months into our relationship that we decided that we were going to jump into it, jump into exploring non-monogamy together. And I was actually the one that brought it up, which surprises people because I was completely monogamous prior to Brian. I had never been in a non-monogamous dynamic. I had had one threesome in college, which I think most people do. That was about as crazy as I ever got. So for me, it was a completely new world. But I was the one that was kind of pushing it because he had talked about his past in non-monogamy. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds so freeing and sexy and fun. And we really did have a great relationship right off the bat. So it just made sense for us to explore that together. And we've been doing that for, I mean, coming up on well, it'll be six years soon. So, and we've also explored everything. We're not just, uh, you know, we actually started as a hot wife couple. So Brian was finding single men for me to engage with. And then we moved into couple swapping, kind of more traditional swinging for a very brief amount of time. And now we're in what we refer to as an open relationship where Brian has his own friends. I have my own friends. You know, we do go on dates, but it's not necessarily romantic in nature. So we're not quite at the level of polyamory. But it, I always kind of describe it, our relationship as something in between swinging and polyamory. So we've kind of done it all. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, you have covered a lot of bases. Just in the intro right there, I I was just sitting there. Just did you see me? I'm like, I'm like taking notes. That's why I was like looking up and looking down. So I'm like, all these key words you were saying, I'm like, bing, bing, bing. Okay. Let me dive into that. That was probably the best opener I've ever had on in my show. Like, you just hit me with some gold right there. Okay. Craigslist singles. What the hell? I didn't even know they had it six years ago. I thought that was, I thought they did away with that a long time ago. I think we used it probably a few months before it was defunct. So, I mean, yeah, we were right at the tail end of the Craigslist era. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, like, you just sent me back with that one right there, the Craigslist singles. So were you specifically looking for what, what did your ad say? Do you remember? <laughs> So I was a little tipsy when I put it out there because it's not usually something I would have done at that point in my life. I yeah. had a friend that kind of talked me into it because I had been exploring. I got out of a marriage like a year prior to meeting Brian. So during that year, I was in this total explorative phase. I mean, I was going to munches, which are like BDSM meetups, and I met a couple out of New York who ran a dungeon back in New York. So they kind of mentored me. I was just like this sponge for information at that point. And so what I really wanted to find was a dom. I wanted to find a longer term relationship with a dominant man and be his submissive. And so that's what the ad was basically reaching out saying, if you have any level of BDSM experience and interest in taking on a new sub, I am interested in a conversation with you. And of course I got like 250 responses and like two of them were good. And one of them was Brian. <laughs> I know. I know it's hard. Well, okay. First of all, Brenna, you're like, you're a curious girl at heart. Like you, you and I are very similar. I can already tell. I love that. And I have a big past with BDSM too. So that's very funny. Okay. You know, you commented on something, you said something about the BDSM that I say on this show. I would love it if you can expand on it a little bit because. I always tell people, almost like if you want to fix your relationship, BDSM. Do you need to do you need to spice it up? BDSM. And what I mean by that is I feel like BDSM is the Mount Kilimanjaro of relationships because 
in order to do that if really well, you have to get your communication house in order. You cannot do it and have it be done right and well without excellent communication. And by its sheer nature, when people engage in it, it helps them start to ask these questions and they have to be very open. And there's a reason for that dialogue. And I felt like if most just even vanilla couples could have that level of communication in their relationships, they'd be knocking it out of the park. Oh, it's so true. Well, it's also very similar in non-monogamy, though. I mean, those two worlds in that way are very similar. You really have to constantly be working on your communication and constantly be kind of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And I mean, it's it's a very enriching thing in a relationship for the right relationship. There's also people that have absolutely no business doing either world. And we see that a lot, too. Oh, yeah. No, I know for sure. I totally, yeah, I agree with you. So, okay, you guys are, you're, you're doing all this stuff. You've, I mean, gosh, you've done the swinging BDSM, the hot wifing, now, you know, full swap couples. And now you guys are sort of, you're ethically non-monogamous. Would that be a fair? Okay. What started you guys into Front Porch Swingers podcast? I think at that time, so when we started in the lifestyle, we were living in rural Montana and there was obviously very little community to talk to. I didn't have a lot of friends that I made in the non-monogamous world at that point. And I've always been the type of person that like, I just want to feel connected to people, especially when I'm exploring something that's so new and so foreign. And I wanted to be able to get my thoughts out into the world in some way because I didn't have that sense of community yet. So when we started, we actually started it as a blog and it was horrible. I'm not a writer. I'm not meant to do that. I, you know, I wrote a few that were okay. Brenna, (laughs) you and I like, we are, we were separated at birth or something's going on here. This is extremely strange to listen to what you're saying right now. I started as a blog and it fucking was awful. (laughs) So was mine. I read it and I'm like, who the hell would want to read this? It's bad. So, you know, I finally went to Brian and I was like, okay, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to share my stories. I want to be able to get people's reactions to it, but I'm not a writer. So what the hell do we do? And he was like, let's do a podcast. And I'm like, you're insane. We've never done anything like that. I've never even used a microphone up to this point, you know? Yeah. So, (laughs) but we figured it out. Brian is, uh, he's one of those guys that if you set a challenge in front of him, he is going to 100% figure it out. He built us a studio. He figured out all the microphones and we were just kind of off and running. And I also think that when we started the show, again, it was just more for us than anything else. We never expected it to blow up and it has, and we're very fortunate. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that story. Okay. And for the two of you, how has your relationship evolved since you guys did started the podcast? Has it, has it helped your communication? Has it spiced things up? I mean, what has it done? I've never been able to do it as a couple. I've always just done it as a solo, you know, done the show, right. As a solo female. So what's it like to do it with a couple? Well, it's kind of a catch 22 because obviously it's, on our show, we talk a lot about our experiences. So we're, we're basically digesting all of the play that we've had and we're explaining it to the other person. And a lot of times Brian has already heard the broad strokes of a play session, but he hasn't heard the intricacies and the ins and outs and my emotions. And so I think because of that, it is very connecting and it's very enticing for both of us. The flip side of it is it's now our job. We do this full time. We don't work other jobs. Our podcasts and our events are what we do 24-7. So because of that, it sometimes does feel 
like there's a weird blurred line between our personal lives and our professional lives and drawing that boundary between the two of us can be very difficult because we're also workaholics. So sometimes we have to kind of just take a break from it and we don't talk about things. And, you know, if we are playing with other people, it's just for us. We're not talking about it on the podcast. So it's about striking that balance for us. Yeah, I I know. That's interesting. I can't, you know, I haven't had the exact same experience as you, but through the course of my podcast, which you've been, how long have you been doing yours? Uh, we just hit five years. Okay. So I, I'm almost in eight years now. And when I started, it was just, I thought I was just going to do it for a year, but so I, I started doing that. And then along the way, you know, you, you meet partners that you start having a relationship with and you're non-monogamous. And so I'm talking about other people and other guys and they can hear it. And, and then, so they come on the show and we'll talk about our experiences and, you know, like do the, do the breakdown of, you know, what that, what, what we just did in the, you know, our BDSM, we just did in the other room or whatever, you know, and, 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 or the sex club we went to, or, you know, all kinds of stuff. And it's kind of, it's weird. And you, you're putting out all this personal stuff about yourself. I've stayed anonymous. I take it you have too. Is that right? No, my face and my real name are out there. This is, I'm very, very public. So. Okay. (laughs) I'm just, I have to have separation, you know, for me, for my, my regular, just vanilla life. And then this, but it's my, it's kind of my fun little secret, you know, that, and that's the fun part about it. You know, that I, that's really the biggest fun part for me too, is that I do this and I stayed anonymous this long. I just, nobody knows who I am. I love that. (laughs) That's kind of, yeah, that's fabulous for you. Cause I have zero privacy whatsoever. So (laughs) yeah. I mean, I like living authentically in that way. I think it's great. But the other part of me is like, you know, sometimes it would be nice to have a little bit of privacy. I have people not know all of my business, but it's my own fault. So I can't complain. Yeah, I like that. I like that I have things separated. That feels, you know, it feels more comfortable for me. So just for those, most people probably who listen to the show have some idea about what the swinging lifestyle is about. But give me your definition of you know, I'd love to know what you consider a swinging lifestyle is some of the common misconceptions that you people may have that you know about, about the lifestyle and different types or levels of swinging. I think your intro kind of, you touched on a few different things, but let's kind of go back over that stuff. Well, I look at swinging as an umbrella term for a lot of different types of activities. For example, swinging could be two couple or a couple swapping with another couple. It could also be a couple playing with a solo person, whether it's a man or a woman or a non-binary person, or it could be something like hot wifing, which is where the majority of our lifestyle experience has landed us, which is me playing almost exclusively with single men, either with Brian there or Brian not there. You also have cuckolding, which is, you know, technically a form of swinging. I think a lot of purists would tell you that Brian and I are not swingers at this point because typically swinging means that you're doing it with your partner in some capacity. And because we play exclusively separately at this point, a lot of what I refer to as swinger purists would tell you that Brian and I are not really swingers. And that's fine. I mean, I I don't necessarily identify with that term anymore either. I feel like it's ironic because it's in the name of our podcast. But if I could go back five years and change the name, I probably would because I don't really identify with the term anymore. I prefer either ethical non-monogamy or the lifestyle. 
Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. What would you change your name to if you could go back? Knowing what you know now, what would it be? I honestly couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I would come up with something cheeky and silly that regarded, you know, more of like the E&M portion of, you know, that vernacular, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing because I I think most people look at Brian and I and feel like we don't necessarily belong in this space anymore. And we feel that like when we go to events where it's couples only, we struggle because we don't play as a couple. And explaining that to people all night long is a really interesting experience. (laughs) Okay. So you don't play as a couple at all anymore. We play together in our own bedroom, but we do not engage in the lifestyle as a couple at all. Okay. Okay. So everything is separate. I got it. Okay. So nobody's bringing in a third. I mean, we have, we've done all of that. We've had threesomes with men. We've had threesomes with women. We've done, you know, we went to like a a soft swap by party because Brian's pansexual. So, I mean, we've experienced it all. We've tried it all. But for us, the separate play just makes a lot more sense because honestly, the biggest part of it for me is when Brian goes out and engages with somebody else and then comes home to me, it feels like I'm unwrapping like a Christmas gift. I'm getting a surprise. And the entire time he's gone, I'm wondering what the details were. And that's really exciting for me. I also think for both of us, we're able to more organically and authentically connect with people sexually when the other person's not sitting right there. Not to say that I'm doing something that I wouldn't do if Brian was there, but more so just the connection feels more real with a person and I'm able to really focus on energy transfer and the person's personality and all of the little intricacies and nuances that make sex so beautiful to me. I feel like a lot of that gets lost when a third party is sitting in the room. Yeah. No, I could see how that would be because right before I got on this call with you, literally, that's why I was like 30 seconds late. You know, like I was getting off the phone with one of my partners and he's like jacking off. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta speed this up because I gotta do this interview. (laughs) Awesome. But we were talking about when I go out to see him for Thanksgiving, I'm like, why don't we just, let's get another guy. Let's put this together. You can sit there and watch. But I've often thought like, I have thought about this in my head, like, okay, I'm going to be a little... I won't be as free with him watching as I would with out him. It's going right. to feel a little more performative, a little, you know, and I'm not performing, but I'm just saying it's going to feel like I'm, I'm watching him. I want to make sure I'm turning him on. He's I'm turned on. This guy's happy. I got a lot to, a lot of plates in the air, you know, that's how it's going to be. I think I, cause I'm with you. I can just get so lost in sex. I think it's because from being submissive and learning about, you know, and just really getting into subspace, you, with all the, you know, when when you let go and you just let all the, you know, your brain just produce all those wonderful chemicals and you really are feeling it and you're really connecting and you're there in the moment with somebody, it's like nothing else because there's really no other points in your life where you can just totally be not distracted, free, feeling all this pleasure And 
a hundred percent right there in the moment with another human being. It's just hard to do. But if you can do it during sex, it's like, whoa. And I don't think I could get there with someone watching me. Oh, 100%. In fact, I just had an experience. Brian stayed home. I went to a lifestyle club with a friend. We ended up meeting a couple and it was just kind of a soft swap type thing. The woman and I played together, but it was in kind of an open area and there were people watching and walking by and talking. So while it was a really fun and memorable experience and I'm glad I got to have it, it wasn't what I would refer to as erotic. It didn't feel like all of those moments that I've had with people where I'm alone with them and I just get to focus on them. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with some variety in it. And I think more people in the lifestyle should think of it like that. But for me, if I have a preference, it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one situation every time. Yeah. I mean, I've had my fun with people watching, going to a sex club with a partner and then you know, actually realizing that it was kind of fun to be watched. Like that did, it was a turn on. The voyeurism that aspect or the, you know, being watched, that was hot, T knowing that I was turning other people on. But I wouldn't want that to be the main modality, you know, where it was always with people around and we're always in a group and, you know, bodies everywhere. And, you know, I mean, I love it's, I love going to sex clubs. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, it's not what I want my mainstay to be. Right. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Without, you know, you don't have to, without revealing maybe too many personal details, but, you know, can you share just some of your most memorable experiences in the lifestyle? And I'd also like to know if you guys have had any specific setbacks as a couple and, you know, how do you handle jealousy and insecurity and all that stuff that, you know, I think naturally does occur when you got more than two people involved. Yeah. Well, as far as most memorable, it's interesting because I think if we're talking just like I always refer to them as the rocking chair memories, you know, when you're 80 or 90 years old and you're looking back on your life, what are the memories that are really going to stick out to you the most? They're not necessarily the hottest moments that I've ever had in the lifestyle. But, you know, Brian set up a gangbang for my birthday last year. That's a memory. That's one of those yes. core memories that it's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do it again. It wasn't really my thing. But in the moment, it was really fun and interesting. And I learned a lot. And that's one of those things I'm going to look back 40 years from now and, and remember all of the little moments of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's not necessarily the most sexy thing I've ever done in my entire life. But it's a it's a memory. How many people wait, how many people were at the gangbang? <laughs> It was me with six gentlemen, and then I also had a lady friend there that was kind of helping me with the guys. So. Was she like the fluffer? <laughs> she was my fluffer, yes. She was such a team player. You had a fluffer? I am so jealous. I want a fluffer. <laughs> How come I've never had a fluffer? <laughs> I hey, highly recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. So yeah, I mean, those types of things. I've had some really wonderful threesomes that I think back on. Brian and myself and my regular play partner when we were in Montana had a threesome once again for my birthday in this beautiful cabin. So, you know, it's I, I have a lot of great memories that I've made over time. As far yeah. as like jealousy and stuff, we're probably not the right people to ask about this because neither of us are really jealous people. I've definitely had what I refer to as like knee-jerk moments where if I see something new or a hear a Brian doing something completely new, a lot of times there's like this pause that happens in me. I don't refer to it as jealousy because it doesn't come out as like venom or anger or insecurity or anything like that. It's more so just, 
okay, I have to think about this for a second. I have to understand and digest exactly what I'm seeing and thinking and feeling in this moment. So I've experienced that quite a few times. Brian is the least jealous person in the entire world. He is very secure with himself, very secure in this relationship. And I think I've I've kind of mirrored a lot of that because of, of him and how just strong he is in his convictions and in knowing that this is the right relationship for him. So we get asked about jealousy all the time. And I always refer people to other resources because it's not something that we've had to really, you know, conquer in our relationship going through non-monogamy. I think our biggest struggle has been that we are incredibly busy people and any sort of like negative feelings that have happened as a result of being in the lifestyle are from, you know, for example, Brian planning two dates in one week. And I'm going, okay, does that leave us any time for an actual date night to go out and have dinner and enjoy each other and have a conversation? You know, I'm glad that you're having all this fun. And I'm glad you have two people that really want to spend this sexual time with you. But at my expense, doesn't feel great. And that doesn't happen that often. But that's definitely our biggest issue is the time constraint. And, you know, the fact that time is such a finite resource in our lives is something that we have to constantly be aware of. Yeah. Now, I love what you said of going back to the jealousy thing. I think, you know, or insecurities, I really kind of mirror what you were saying. I I get this. Sometimes when something comes up, it'll just be more of a, oh, wait, I don't know how I feel about this. Right. And it's, and I just need to step back and like, think about it and process it. I need a little more time, you know, and, and it's not, it's usually not based in, you know, feeling insecure or jealous. Not that I've never felt those things in my life, but it's more just a, what's come up for me as well as like, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know. What does this mean? You know, I need to think about it. Okay, hold on. You know, and it just takes me a little while to kind of talk it through with that person or talk myself through it or whatever and figure out, okay, this is where I'm really landing on this. So exactly. And for me, it comes out of nowhere. You know, those moments, the first time I can really think of having, like I said, what I refer to as the knee jerk moment was we had had a threesome with a friend, a a lady friend of ours, and we had just gotten done playing with her in a hotel room. And then we took her to dinner and Brian grabbed her hand to walk her over some ice and then continued to hold her hand as we walked away from the car. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I'm totally okay with my partner banging this woman in the hotel right in front of me. But for whatever reason, holding her hand makes me pause and I have to kind of digest how that feels. So, you know, it's so interesting how it's almost always that it's intimacy. It's not the sex that ever has me pausing. It's the other things. Right. Which kind of, you know, which kind of falls in line with what men say, you know, like they, they can have, there's, there's, for them, there's sex and there's fucking and then there's, you know, and then there's intimacy. There's the person they love and that's why they can go screw somebody and have no attachment. And whereas a lot of women, generally speaking, you know, have a harder time with that. They can't get wrap their brain around it. But I understand it, you know, and just like you said, it's the when you were telling that story about him holding her hand, I visualized that and I was like, oh, I wouldn't I don't know how I feel about that either. I'd be like, <laughs> hey, you know. Yeah. Because that's just a little, it's a, it's a more sensitive, intimate gesture that you would prefer was reserved for you. And as a couple, you guys have to have boundaries and stuff about, you know, whatever the two of you agree to is, you know, what you agree to. 
Oh, exactly. And I think that's why the vast majority of lifestylers are romantically monogamous, right? They're not going to be okay with their partner developing feelings for somebody else, but their partner can have sex with whoever they want. And, uh, you know, we're actually not even that way. We're, we're very poly-minded. We're open to the idea of falling for other people or having romantic feelings for other people, mostly just because I'm at a point in my life where I want us both to live 1,000% organically. I don't want us to have to constantly worry about how our feelings are going to impact the other person. And I, I understand that that's an important part of any relationship, but I just don't want to hold Brian back from anything. And I want him to have any of the things that are going to make him happy. So, you know, we're, we're very different from what I would say the average lifestyler is in that way. I just, I love what you just said right there. I mean, it's so, I, it's so generous and giving and caring and loving towards your partner. And those are the kind of relationships I think people just need to strive for regardless of, you know, how it plays out sexually, but just that, that sentiment right there. And I, I kind of feel like enough people, not enough people have that, you know, treat their relationships the way with those things that you just said right there. I feel like there'd be a lot less divorce and people would be a lot more happy overall, you know. Well, that is for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think part of that, you know, we talk about toxic monogamy a lot. That's a topic we've been on a lot lately is, you know, I, I think of a lot of the traits that people think of are healthy and monogamous relationships. And I couldn't disagree more. You know, things like possessiveness. I could never share my partner. Well, that's a really bad reason to be monogamous. You should be monogamous because you and your partner have had a conversation about it and decided that that is the best relationship dynamic for the two of you as partners. It shouldn't be, oh, I just love my partner so much that I could never see them with somebody else. I feel like that's very toxic thinking. And I, I wish more people would kind of get away from that. Yeah. No, I, I guess start listening to more of your episodes. I'm, I, I have a feeling there's lots of nuggets there on your show. I need to tune in more. Okay. How, just overall, I have my opinion about it or what I've experienced, but how, overall, how would you describe the swing community? Is it open? Is it accepting? You know, as people might think, you know, it sounds very good and open and all that, but I think sometimes it's not always what it seems. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And just kind of like the what protocols or etiquette maybe newcomers to it want, should be aware of. So I have a lot of opinions regarding like the health of the lifestyle community. I think that we have come a long ways, even in just the six years Brian and I have been doing this. I think we're starting to see, for example, a lot more LGBTQ inclusive clubs and events and, you know, people making it very known before people come to an event that they are an all inclusive organizer. And I think that that's fabulous. You know, Brian, as a pansexual man, is being asked to do things like speak at seminars at conventions more often about what it means to be a non-straight man in the lifestyle. I think those are conversations that are starting to happen a lot more. And you are really starting to see a significant shift in this idea of inclusivity because it used to kind of be, I think, and especially if you talk to people that have been doing this for 10 or 15 or 20 years, it used to be, oh, we're super inclusive as long as the husband is straight and the woman is bi and you guys play as a couple. <laughs> and right. um, we are starting <laughs> to see a lot more diversity of, you know, sexual orientation and, you know, even relationship dynamics. That's a big one too. You know, you have a lot of throuples and, you know, other yeah poly people that are wanting to be involved in the lifestyle. And that was always really frowned upon. And it's starting to become significantly more accepted. I think we still have a lot of work to do. Can I ask you why you think, why was that, why were those things frowned upon? 
So my personal opinion of it is that lifestylers, for the most part, are very proud of being romantically monogamous. And they are scared sometimes of the things that they don't understand. They assume that if a poly, you know, polycule comes into their club, that that means that they're going to try to like steal their wife away to be part of their group. And, you know, it's going to be this uh, like poaching situation or there's not going to be a level of respect there. I think it's a lack of understanding. And that's also why I'm really happy to see, you know, crossover events starting to happen. For example, you see at a lot of lifestyle events now that they have a dungeon master on site that is teaching BDSM practices and talking about negotiations and consent. And I always tell people, even if that's not your thing, even if you never want to be flogged or you never want to be tied up or whatever, go to one of those seminars and just hear the high level of communication and empathy and sympathy and all of those things that's happening in those environments. It will make you a better non-monogamous person. So I love that we're, we're starting to see kind of more crossover in those ways. But I think it's a lot of it is that people are afraid of the things that they don't understand. And sometimes lifestylers don't understand the hypocrisy in that because we're already living lives that the vast majority of people cannot wrap their heads around. So in my mind, it's like, I want to be accepting of everyone. As long as you are consensual, as long as you are doing things with kindness in your heart, you do whatever the hell makes you happy. It may not be anything I would ever think of doing, but I celebrate that you have the courage to, to live your life the way you want to live it. And I, I really, truly think that we are moving in the right direction in that way. I think we have a lot of work to do with things like even consent in this lifestyle, which I get a lot of shit for talking about. But I cannot tell you the number of times I've walked into a club and somebody has just come run up and gives me a hug. I don't even know who they are. And in their mind, it's like, well, I'm just being friendly. And what's the harm in a hug? And in my mind, it's like, well, what's the harm in asking if you can touch me, complete stranger? So you know what I mean? It's, it's those things that we still have a lot of work to do. We're, it's not a perfect space. I do think that there's a lot of amazing voices out there that are trying to educate and share their knowledge. And I'm sincerely hoping that that continues. The consent thing to me is huge. I think dick picking is about a lack of consent. I think actually cheating on your partner and not being honest about it and then maintaining, you know, the same sexual relationship with them is a lack of consent. You know, that person's not consenting to being in an open relationship or having, you know, having the relationship be this way without their knowledge. You know, I mean, there's just, there's so many layers to it and it's, it's so important. And I'm glad that you talk about it because I think it's, it needs to be talked about more and really, you know, kind of training our brains too, to think about it. Like, you know, with the, like I said earlier, just with the dick picking, I mean, I didn't consent to that. I didn't consent to seeing your genitals show up in my inbox while I'm doing my grocery shopping, fucker. You know, I mean, (laughs) yes, I could not agree more. While the old lady next to me in line just saw your dick. (laughs) Give me some warning. It always comes out of left field. Why, why is that? I want to, my biggest pet peeves, and I have griped about it though, for the whole entirety of this show, is dick picking, dick, random dick pickers. And it's, I like it. It's like, it feels like I'm being hit in the head with flying dildos. They're just coming at me. And I'm like, oh, 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 wait a minute. No, I didn't. You know, I'm like, what's happening? It's like a drive by dicking. Why are they, why, do, why does this happen? Why do men do this? Why do they think it's okay? Who raised these men? That's what I want to know. <laughs> 
so true. Well, no, even like with people that I play with regularly that are friends that I really enjoy their dicks. It's like I've had to have conversations with them. I don't need to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and the first thing I see is four dick pics. You know what I mean? Like that's just at least ask <laughs> if I want to see it. That's not I don't need to start my day that way. It's beautiful. Yeah. I enjoy it. But it's like that's just not my focus first thing right. in the morning. Yeah, I know. I know. It's I mean, part of me like wants to say, okay, you know, they're like little boys, bless their heart. But, you know, at some (laughs) point, it's like, guys, you know, you're not a little boy anymore. Someone needs to tell you. It's not always appropriate. You know, it's like, read the room, pick the moments. And if you've never sent a woman a dick pic, just ask permission first. But pretty much we'll, we'll kind of ask if we want to see them. I mean, you know, if we assume Assume we don't. If if you think we might not be knowing that we really want to see your dick, just go ahead and ask. Right. Exactly. It is not hard. Use your words like an adult. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. So, oh, and then I wanted to also get into throughout my stories and crazy, oh God, you know, it's like I said, seven and a half years of a lot of uh, fun stuff. Let's talk about safety and boundaries, because this is probably something that doesn't get talked about that much. As a single female, I'm probably maybe a little more sensitive to it, but but I think, well, I, I think all females are probably sensitive to it to some degree or not, but what are some of the essential safety tips for those interested in exploring the lifestyle? What advice would you give? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into safety. I mean, I play solo. I play as a single woman. So I'm hyper fixated on my safety, on ensuring, you know, for example, if I go out on a date with somebody else, I'm almost always at our house and I let people know, hey, I have security cameras everywhere except the bedroom. So please know if we get to, you know, doing something on the couch, it's going to be on our video system. And all of those types of things. Brian always has my location services turned on, has access to it on his phone. We actually have even a secondary app that allows him to do that just in case my Apple uh, location isn't working for some reason. Brian typically also meets men with me before, obviously, I just go and play with them. And I would never just invite someone over to my house either. You know, there have been times where I've like been time constrained and it's like, well, this guy's really hot in his pictures. I could just invite him over. And I'm like, no, that's a horrible idea. So all of those things. And I also think people need to, especially people that require some level of discretion, I don't think about these things quite as much as I probably should because I am out there with my face and my name and everything. But, you know, not everyone wants to be known as a swinger. (laughs) And so you probably need to be careful about posting your face in certain groups. You know, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there for lifestylers. And I see people just throwing up all sorts of face pictures. And it's like, unfortunately, you have to be concerned that somebody is going to use that against you or it's going to wind up in the hands of somebody that shouldn't have it. Also, things like sharing your phone number right away. Horrible idea because you can do a reverse lookup on somebody's number. And unless you're using a WhatsApp number or something, you people can know your first and last name before you even meet them in person. I know. I know. Also, don't put any, don't put up any pictures in your sexual profiles that you have on your Facebook or your anything that's public facing. They can just drop that picture into Google and find you. Exactly. Yes. And they, they will, they will try. People will try. I've had guys do it to me. I've had guys do it to me. And I was like, oh, that's creepy. I mean, I don't have anything to hide, you know, but I, but I, I don't know them well enough yet. Yes. I will, you know, I will tell you my real name at some point we will, you know, like, but Jesus. Yeah. And it feels weird. 
Oh, for sure it does. Yeah. The other thing is I tell people this all the time. If you're new, I understand that you may not have this radar yet. Like if you're just getting into the lifestyle, but if you have a gut feeling about something, if you see a red flag, as much as you want to get your rocks off, as much as you want to have fun, you need to be able to walk away from those situations. You have to trust your gut. In the beginning, I was really bad about that. I wanted to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and I wanted to see, believe the best in people and see the best in everyone. And you get burned enough times that you're like, okay, this doesn't make sense anymore. Unfortunately, I have to not give people the benefit of the doubt. I know. Oh my gosh. When I, when I started, I was ignorance on fire. I mean, I just, it was all so exciting. It was all so new. And I mean, I've made every mistake you can make and maybe a couple times, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but now it's like, I don't give up my phone. I mean, I give, I use a burner number, you know, no, uh, they can't come to the house. Really very few people have ever come to my residence. These are these until they end up being like long-term ongoing partnerships, you know, otherwise it's like, no, I mean, we don't, you know, we, we just don't need to cross that boundary and, you know, staying safe. It, like you said, when you're playing solo, there's just a lot of things you have to, you have to be smart about consider, like I said, and like you said, especially the phone number, just, I use an app called burner and you can, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Google, I guess Google has numbers and things like that, but I've just been using burner for so long. I just stuck with that because once, you know, someone turns into a weirdo or you don't want to talk to him anymore, just burn the number. So when, as long as you've been in the lifestyle and you guys have done a lot, and I know now this is that you're, that this is, this is also your work, but was it not at some point? And just, I guess I'm wondering about how, how the swinging lifestyle has affected other areas of your life, like friendships or family or just anything like that, you know, stigmas, judgments, from people that don't understand it. It's really interesting because obviously we are out there. So we we had to tell the people that were close to us and the people that were important to us what we were doing, um, which is not the norm for most people in the lifestyle. Most people can stay private their entire time that they're ever in the lifestyle if they do it intelligently enough. But for us, it was, it was really interesting. I always say it was like a litmus test of who is truly there for us and who's not. I absolutely lost friends after coming out. I didn't lose any family members. My family's been incredibly supportive and I'm so lucky in that way. But I absolutely lost friends. And at the time it was devastating. And now I'm at a point in my life where it's like, why the hell would I want anyone in my life that doesn't truly accept who I am? I accept them for all of their flaws. You know, I think about I had a friend that was cheating on her husband and she stopped being friends with me after this. It's like, okay, that's ironic. You're allowed to cheat, but I'm not allowed to be honest with my person. So it's it's just one of those things that you learn pretty quickly who really is in your life for the right reasons and the people that make sense for you. I will also say, I think one of the biggest things that the lifestyle has changed for me personally, and I think this is probably pretty true for most everyone that's in this space, is that the vast majority of your friends become other non-monogamous people. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think for me personally, it's because I don't necessarily want to go sit out and have dinner with a friend and feel like I have to hide certain parts of my life or I can't talk to them about certain things. I like that my friendships with non-monogamous people are very um, 
you know, they're very honest and I, I just feel safe with them. I feel safe being my true authentic self and not feeling like I have to censor myself in conversations. So um, I think that's been the biggest change for me is, is realizing kind of who my people are, if you will. Uh, but the other side of it is because we're very public, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're all over the place. We get a lot of people, we get both sides of the coin. We get a lot of people who are genuinely curious. And even if they never themselves want to be in the lifestyle, they do genuinely want to understand it. And I'm so happy to provide information for them. The hardest part of what we do is the people that have straight up hatred for it. And to me, it's it's almost kind of sad because I feel that that hatred comes from a place of fear. I don't truly believe that they hate us for doing things that impact them in absolutely no way. I think they are terrified of the things that they don't understand. And I think that uh, in a lot of ways, non-monogamy challenges people's belief systems that they have that are so entrenched in them, so you know, indoctrinated in them by society that that you know, being challenged so far out of their comfort zone is terrifying. And we represent that fear to them. So I have to try to be empathetic and patient. I'm not the best at that because I'm pretty sassy and fiery. Um, but I'm, I'm really genuinely trying to make that effort to understand that, you know, a lot of times hatred comes from a place of fear and not true malice. Yeah. Um, well, and I think a lot of people, you know, are, that are more traditionally minded, uh, worry about what this means for the, you know, how this affects the structure of marriage and marriages. And, you know, what does this mean about that? And you're supposed to couple off and, you know, be monogamous and that's the way it's supposed to be. And this really kind of challenges that idea. Uh, I think especially people that are married and also in the lifestyle, because, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, then what's marriage for? You right. Know, you're, what, what is marriage for? You know, what's a, and I, I've never been married. So I don't, I, you know, I can't, I can't really speak on that, but I do find it. I find it interesting how, how just this concept, I guess I'm more of a, well, if it works for them, I mean, why not? You know, but then right. there's people that just can't, they can't extend that same thinking uh, and I, I really believe it's because they don't, they don't want, they don't want marriage disrupted the traditional in the traditional sense, and they're probably married and unhappy. And so, you know, they just, they're like, oh shit, I bought into this crap. Everyone needs to, too. You know, it's misery loves company. I mean, I really think it's kind of starts to, I think that gets closer to w what's going on. You know, it's like, Damn it, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's not great, but this is what we signed up for. <laughs> well, I know for certain that there are people that are also jealous. They're jealous of what we've been able to create because for them, it's like maybe they have so many insecurities or they have, you know, again, they've grown up very traditionally, maybe very religiously, and they wish that they could be more open-minded to things, but they're not there yet. And once again, we challenge them on a level that scares them because of that. So I think that's part of it too. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the podcast. Um, what's been like the most, what's been the most surprising and unexpected feedback that you've, you know, received from doing this? 
I think the, well, my favorite feedback that I ever receive is people that are in completely monogamous, let's say vanilla relationships. They are not kinky. They are not non-monogamous. They are, you know, maybe very happily married in their monogamous relationships, but they reach out and tell us that they still listen to the show and it, it you know, um, spurs conversation with their partner or, you know, it, it spices up things in their own bedroom because all of a sudden they have all of these different ideas of things that yeah. they could be trying. And that's a huge compliment to me because to know that people are open-minded enough to listen to something that again maybe doesn't align with exactly who they are but they're willing to still potentially pick up on some things that's freaking amazing to me and I I wasn't expecting that I just thought it'd be a bunch of lifestylers listening to us I did not expect anyone monogamous to ever download our episodes (laughs) it's probably more it's probably more monogamous people than it is lifestars I would I would guess what I think it's a lot of curious people. I think a lot of our listenership are people that are not in the lifestyle, but they could be one day. You know what I mean? They're the people that if they found out exactly how to talk to their partner about it, or maybe they already have talked to their partner about it, but they're not 100% ready to jump into it. So it's almost like they're listening to us to see what it's really like to be non-monogamous because our show is very experiential. We're not trying to teach people. We're not doing you know the five things to take to the swinger resorts. That's not what our show is. It's just too happily non-monogamous people talking about what's really going on in our world. And I think when people see how healthy of a dynamic that we have, you know, we're also very real. There are times where we don't always get along. We talk about that on the show too, but people get a real life look into what it's like to be in a monogamous or open relationship. And um, I think that because of that, we have a lot of people that listen in, you know, for that reason, so that they can maybe think of how to talk to their partner about something that is uh, vulnerable and scary to, to bring up. Yeah, no, I get the same. I get the same. I love I love the emails when people write in and say, you've changed my my marriage. I've been married for 20, 30 years and you know, now I'm having the best sex of my life thanks to your show. And I'm like, holy shit. I mean, could you get any better than that? Yes, exactly. It's amazing. I know it feels amazing. I'm like, whoa, just me sharing my Cause mine's the same way. I'm just sharing exactly what I'm going through, what I'm doing. I you know, I give the gory details. I love to give details. Uh, but then it's just, it's everything. It's how I feel about it. It's what, you know, what led to this and how that went that way. And, and what's on my sex bucket list and, you know, bring that part, this partner on and they get to hear conversations between us. And, you know, it's just, it's really, it's such a, I mean, a, it's like a privilege, you know, or, or I feel so honored when people tell me that just listening to me, you know, left it, led the way for better sex, you know, like, wow, that's, that's a really big compliment. For me too. It's also like in the beginning, I had to, I had to think about kind of the pressure that that puts on you. You know what I mean? That's a lot of responsibility that people are potentially listening to you for that reason. And then you start to be maybe not more careful with your words. I'm a pretty just open book anyway, but I've definitely become significantly more tactful in my delivery of certain things as a result of that too. I think it's made me a more empathetic and kind person. I think it depends on what time of the month it is for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Sometimes I'm just like, I got, I, you know, like something's rubbing me wrong and hey, I'm just going to let it rip. And then other times, yeah, like, you know, like, I think sometimes you can, you could listen to my show and I could just be on a bender about something that, that just was not sitting right. And then another time, you know, you hear me and I'm just so gracious and open and accepting. (laughs) But but the fun part about it is, oh, maybe just, I just made, it made me think of, 
uh, one of the, you know, reviews somebody left me, I mean, I'm, it's mostly good reviews and every once in a while you get, you get a weird one. I'm like, what? This person goes, yeah. You know, gave me like three stars. He said, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's, it's kind of more like a, she changes, she, what it says? She, she contradicts herself a lot and, and it's kind of more like a diary format. And I'm like, that's the you point. Don't say. <laughs> what, what through, what, what, what illuminated that for you? The title? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's about me and my life. And guess what? Over seven and a half years of doing all this, I'm proud to say I have grown. And some of my opinions on some of the things I thought I held back then, I do not hold now. And that's called growth and development. Look it up. You know? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yes. People are such, they're such critics. I'm like, hey, do your own podcast, you know, give it three years, come back and talk to me. You know, let's see how you feel. Um, speaking of that, what? what, what is your favorite episode? I would love to know, like, what's your favorite? Is there one that just like, you were like, I, I loved doing that one or this is really, I really, think of it like, yeah, I guess I don't, I don't really think of it like that. I mean, I, I definitely think, um, when we were on the road, we spent a, almost a year traveling on the road and those episodes, any during that period are probably the most like evolutionary for me. I, I, have gone back and listened to a few of them. And I, I see such growth in us during that time. So I would say, you know, some episodes in that area are probably my favorite, but I can't pinpoint like a favorite experience that I talked about necessarily on the show. I mean, my gangbang episode is by far the most downloaded, which does not shock me in the slightest. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not necessarily my favorite. I love the ones when I'm a little bit more introspective or when you hear me really like deeply thinking about something I've done and how it's impacted other people. And it's like, oh, shit, Brenda's actually like growing and not, you know, staying stagnant her entire life. I'm the same way, but you know, I, I, if I, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I, I have a feeling that your downloads will reflect this as well. The episodes that are just where it's just more about the sex are they're more downloaded versus if I, if I'm more introspective and I'm, you know, then, then people like those, but they're not as popular. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. I'm sure my yeah. favorite episode and other people's favorite episodes are two very different things. So. I know. I know. Yeah. But it's fine. I mean, you know, sometimes people just want to be entertained. Hey, I'm good with that. You know, as long as you, as long as you listen, I'm good with that. So what is the, what's going to be the future evolution? Um, in the swinging lifestyle, I'm just, do you see things evolving? Like what would you project ahead for the next five to 10 years? I have a lot of predictions for that. I mean, first of all, I do think that we're going to continue to see a lot more LGBTQ involvement. I think we'll stop seeing, for example, like right now there's bi events or pan events in the lifestyle. I think those are going to go away and I think they should because I think a lot of organizers feel as if, you know, they're creating these spaces where people can feel included and it's like, yeah, but shouldn't they just be included all the time? You know what I mean? So I do yeah. think that we're going to just move in that direction. We're not going to see these specialized parties. We're just going to see significantly more included inclusion yeah. and, you know, ability of, of anyone to come and feel safe and um, comfortable in those environments. I also think what we're going to see is far fewer of the gigantic events out there. There's a lot of like major conventions and major events and, and things like that right now. I think COVID changed a lot of that. And I think we're going to continue to see more kind of boutique style upscale events, probably a little bit more sophistication in those things. And I think it's time for that. Um, you know, I'm tired of going to like the motel 
hotel sixes for the hotel takeovers and feeling like I'm in this seedy, gross place when I'm doing something that I'm not ashamed to be doing. So, um, you know, I I think we're going to start to see people really step up their game and and also businesses that are more willing to work with us. We just did a hotel takeover here in Las Vegas at a beautiful facility, you know, a place that anyone would feel comfortable and safe to, to go to. But the reality is that never would have happened if that business had not been willing to take a chance on a bunch of swingers. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that we're going to start to see a little bit more inclusion in that way too, a, a little bit more acceptance. You already see it in terms of, you know, people on TikTok, for example, getting on and, and asking if they can come to an event. Hey, we're not lifestylers. We have no interest in playing with anyone else, but you seem really fun. And it sounds like your, your environments are very safe and consent focused. Could we come and just dance and hang out and meet people? Hell yes, yeah. you can. Um, I think it's going to take those types of things for us to to be a little bit more uh, accepted on a wide scale. Yeah. Oh, so you, you mean if people don't want you coming and just watching? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. Most most organizers have zero issue with that whatsoever. Yeah, I know. Because I'm like, I love to do that. Like, I think that's, I think more people, I think people have to just kind of look at it like, hey, you know, it's just, just dip your toe in. You're, you can go and observe and see if there's anything about it that turns you on, things you like that, you know, spark creativity between you and your partner or just your, you know, with yourself. I mean, I love, that's, I don't go there. I don't go to sex clubs usually to play with other people. I go with a partner and, you know, we love to be in that environment. We, we love to have, you know, eyes on us and like them looking at us, us looking at them. I mean, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a scene. I like it. Yeah, but some people are terrified to do that. They assume they're going to walk in and it's going to be this, you know, 27 person orgy happening the second they go in the door or that people are not going to be respectful of the fact that they're a monogamous couple. You know, that's I mean, for the most part, that's not how it works. And I really do wish people would get out there and, you know, just just peek behind the curtain a little bit. Yes. No, I totally agree with you. What so what are your future goals or aspirations for your show? You know, I think the show is exactly what I want it to be for right now. I'm not looking to necessarily do anything crazy with it. I think the the majority of the changes that will be coming for us as a brand will be in our event space. Um, we are all over the country doing hot wife events. I would also like to see us do some more like upscale black tie type things. Again, that elevating of the sophistication level of this space, I think is something that needs to happen. So I, uh, I think that that will be kind of our next evolution is looking more into that space. Have you seen those killing kittens parties? I have, and I would love to go to one of them. I hear they're fabulous. I am going, I am going. It's on my list. I don't know when, but I am definitely going. Like I will not be retired from this podcast until I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear fabulous things about them. So, oh my gosh, that's what I like. I want to go. I want all of it. I want the sex and I want the production. You know, I want the, I want to, I would love to have that experience. Just everyone's dressed to the nines, the costumes, just the sexiness. Oh, I'm, that's right up my alley. Yes, me too. There's nothing sexier than a bunch of ridiculously nicely dressed people, you know, amazing hair and amazing makeup and the jewelry. And there's something very erotic about that to me. There is. It's kind of, you know, in a way, I mean, it's sort of an eyes wide shut type of thing, you know, well, without the, without the, without the weird (laughs) occult undertone. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we're looking to provide is the experience, not just a place for people to fuck, but actually an experience for people. Yeah. No, I, so I, I want you to like, I want you to be the one I'm tasking you with that. Build it and build it and that will come. (laughs) Awesome. I will do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, tell everybody where they can find you, Brenna. The easiest place is just frontporchswingers.com. You can see the podcast there, the events and pretty much everything else that we do. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you guys for listening in today. I appreciate you spending part of your Saturday with Brenna and myself. And you guys know what I love for you to do. My absolute favorite, favorite thing. Go to my website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and leave me a voicemail. I get back to each and every one of you personally. You've got five minutes. Let it rip. We can talk about anything and everything that you want. All right, everyone. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com, and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.